Verse 12 and 13. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage. And um, Lord, I pray that you would help us as we look at it to understand a little bit more of what it means. I think in a certain sense it's very plain. In another sense, there's so much here that we can't wrap our minds around it. I pray that you would be glorified by what's done and said in this time of looking at your word and, um, and with what we do, with what we hear from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak today on put into the ministry. Um, and so we're just going to look at the first verse. It's just the first clause of, of this sentence. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. As I prayed, really there is so much here in this sentence, in this clause, um, that I, I can't wrap my mind or even words around it sufficiently. As I've tried to put this together, I feel very inadequate for it. Um, but, here I am. Somebody put me here. Right? Somebody put me here, and so I'm just going to do what, what, I've, what I've been given to do. Uh, to the best of my ability, depending on the Lord to take it and use it for His glory. Paul uses the term ministry here. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me for that He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. When we read that, that God put Paul into the ministry, I think we immediately, and I believe rightly so, think of the ministry of being an apostle, if we were to translate it into today's um, understanding, pastorate, full-time Christian ministry is the idea that's clearly here. Uh, I think it's, it's kind of interesting when we think, yeah, Paul was a full-time apostle, and yet... He made tents to cover his expenses when he had to. Um, but Paul's ministry, if we look at this, Paul's ministry, and he's writing to Timothy, Paul's ministry in Timothy's was clearly different than the people that they ministered to. And so we, it's right to think of full-time ministry when we're looking at this. At the same time, the Bible teaches us that every believer has a ministry. Every believer has a ministry. Um, it's the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20 says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself and has committed unto us, has given us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So every believer has a ministry and what we can take, understand about the ministries from these verses apply, but they are, I'm not going to try, but they are related to full-time ministry in particular. Now, you are at Fairhaven Baptist College. 
four sections now for Fairhaven Baptist College. It's kind of weird. And then you're at Fairhaven Christian Academy. Let me just tell you, our default mode, you know what I mean when I say default mode? What, the way we operate here, we're operating in the academy, especially in high school, and for sure in the college, is that the way we're thinking is that we're training you for service. That's the way we're thinking. It's kind of obvious in college. Some of you are here for one year. Some of you are here for five or six years. <laughs> Whatever. But, but it's Fairhaven Baptist College. It's a Bible college. We, it's for ministry. But you guys out there, way out there on the wings out there, you say, well, I'm just in a Christian school. We're training you for ministry. Um, not all of you will go into full-time ministry. But none of you will be hurt by being trained for full-time ministry. None of you will be. Um, we want you to understand this noble calling. So, let's look at what Paul says about the ministry in this one verse. First, we'll see that Christ called Paul personally. Christ called Paul personally. He says, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for the economy faithful, putting me into the ministry. Remember when that happened? Kind of? Wow. Paul. He was quite the evangelist. He was a flaming evangelist. He went from synagogue to synagogue, place to place, finding anybody that would say anything good about the way, that way, that way of people who believed on this crazy man, Jesus, who thought he was the Messiah, and he would capture them, drag them to prison, and give his word to the judges who would condemn them to be killed. He was quite an evangelist. He, the Bible says, he wrought havoc. Now that's, you know, I don't know. How many have seen the... um, it just makes, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm thinking of uh, an insurance company's television commercial, <laughs> Mayhem. Right? Have you seen Mayhem? Okay, that's Paul. He wrought mayhem. He wrought havoc. Fear. His name was feared. Remember? Ananias said, I heard of him. (laughs) Oh yeah, I heard of him. But Paul, talking about when Christ personally called him, said that Jesus said to him, from heaven, but rise, Acts 26, 16, and stand upon thy feet, for I have, I, Christ personally, have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles 
Unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes. Remember this memory verse. And to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Christ personally called Paul. Now, if any of you come to me and say, I saw Jesus, it was bright, we're going we're gonna to have a, a, a different talk. But God calls people. Um, there is what we might call, uh, I was listening to a man talk about this passage, there, there's what we might call an outer call. Um, in 1 Timothy 2.7, Paul says, Whereunto I am, and whereunto is this work of the ministry, whereunto I am ordained a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. So ordina- ordained is more than I- the idea of appointed, even though it does have that idea. It even has the idea of um, falling down in front of somebody who is like um, kind of in an older sense, if you went to the king and he assigned you to something, he'd ordain you. You'd be on your knees in front of him being assigned, being ordained to do his work. That's the idea that's in ordained. Paul says, I was ordained. I was assigned. I, was, I fell before the Lord, and didn't he? I mean, literally knocked off of his horse, but fell before the Lord, and God said, I have this job for you. It was an outer, there's an outer call. There's, we don't know, I'm not, I'm not saying that each one of us somehow has some experience, physical experience of this. But there's an outer call. And that outer call reminds us that it's a humble calling. That ordination is not something, it's not like you walk into the king and say, King, I can help you out. This is what we're going to do. I'm your man. No, you fall before the king. The king says, you're going to do this for me. It's a humble calling. But then there's an inner call. There's an inner call. Paul talks about this in 1 Timothy 3.1. He says, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth or desires a good work. There's a desire. There's an inward desire. Now this can be, um, this can go all over the place, right? We could desire the work for vainglorious reasons. We could desire the work for filthy lucre. First Timothy 3 continues to talk about many of those things. We could desire the work because we're immature and just think it's a, a, think it's a good idea and haven't had the time to grow out of our novice state. But um, in the beginning, Paul starts out by saying, if you desire the work, that's a good thing. It's a good work to desire and that desire comes from somewhere. It's an inward call. I can't come to some high school. Let's pick on uh, Josiah Rose. I can't go to Josiah Rose and say, you are going to be a preacher. In fact, you, someday you are going to be the pastor of Fairhaven Baptist Church. 
Josiah. Yeah, I don't know about that. But, but it could. It could, but it wouldn't be because I just said it, right? Okay. And in a certain sense, there has to be, you know, the specifics of what church, maybe not, but even in some place, at some point, even the specifics of the work that God has, there has to be a desire. There has to be an inner call. That inner call comes from the Lord. We just went through a pastoral transition here. When I sat down and talked to Pastor Mitchell, he was floored. He was like, no, it's not me, it's Pastor Armacost. And we were like, ah, but Pastor Armacost is going somewhere else. You know, whatever. So, um, but as he prayed about it, whoa, he did have a desire. And before he was ever asked to be our senior pastor, he had a desire to be in the ministry 20 years ago, 25 years ago. That's an inward, it's, 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 it's an inner call. It's a desi- the desire, um, I think it's given by the Holy Spirit, but it's, it's only given to people who are in tune with the Lord and submissive to what He has. We say there, well, I'm safe. I won't ever be called because I don't want to do it. Well, that's not the attitude to have. But, and it might be because you don't understand what a great work it is. If any man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. And the word good has the idea of noble. It's a noble work. Now, in the eyes of mankind, in the eyes of some of you, it's not a noble work. I don't want to ever do that. The world looks at it and with plenty of legitimate bad examples, mocks it, all of that. But for the Lord, it's a good work. It's a noble work. Paul uses this same word when he talks, um, when, he, when he says to Timothy, fight the good fight. It's a noble fight. It's a fight that's worth fighting. Uh, when he says in 2 Timothy, I have fought a good fight. It's a noble fight. Uh, it's not that he executed it well. You know, I, I executed well a good fight. No, it was, it was a fight that it was a fight for what was right. It was a noble fight. And this work that we can desire, God gives us, it's desiring a noble work. Now, in one sense, I'm, going to, I'm trying to encourage you to desire this noble work. I don't know how to say, I, uh, this is where I'm kind of dumbfounded. It's a great work. It's, I can't explain with words what a privilege, but not just a privilege, what, what, I don't know, um, what good is being done by those that serve the Lord. It can't be explained. It's a good work. If any man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. It's not really desirable in the eyes of mankind. It's despised, and as I said before, or it's glorified for vanity's purposes. And when I say mankind, I mean carnal mankind, not spiritual mankind. If you despise the office of a pastor, it's like, and despise, not that you hate it, it's like, oh, I would never want to do that. You don't have the right understanding of this work. 
you have a worldly view of it. Say, there's not enough worldly rewards. There's not enough earthly treasures that come from it. Or if you look at it and say, yeah, that's just the thing I want to do. I want to be able to manipulate people and get all kinds of offerings and drive a fancy car. There again, you have the wrong, you have a worldly view of it. And both of those exist in the world. But Paul says, God says, it is a noble occupation. So there's an outer call, there's an inner call. And then let's say there's an additional call. There's an additional call. In Acts 13.2, the Bible says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. If we think about 1 Timothy 3, after verse 1, he kind of lists some things that are, what do we call them, qualifications for a pastor. Well, who administers the qualifications? Who checks on those qualifications? Who says, yes, this person is called? I can go to the church, or Josiah can come to the church and say, I have a desire to be the pastor. Okay, and the, pastor, and the, and the church says, well, do you meet the qualifications? Okay, we can joke about that. Uh, after a little while, the church, but, but recently, the church goes to Pastor Mitchell and says, would you be willing to candidate to be the pastor? Once he says yes, what's he saying? He's saying, I desire to be the pastor of the church. And the church has to say, yeah, we call you. Okay, there's that additional call. We look at the qualifications. Those qualifications come from the Holy Spirit, but there's this other call. Um, one of the things there that's kind of like that you can work on, let's say you have the desire. Here's something you can work on, being able to teach. Able to teach might be consist of being fluent in communication and also having a grasp of biblical truth. Now, we've all been in classes, here even at Fairhaven, where we were sitting in class and say, I know this guy grasps the truth, but I'm having a hard time paying attention. Okay? Maybe it's me. I don't know. But... Another time, somebody might be, try, might be explaining something much richer and deeper, and we're all like, just can't wait for the next word, right? Okay. So that person has a grasp and is apt to teach. Some people, they keep our attention about things that are of no value. So they're fluent in communication, but they don't understand biblical truth. So this is why we come to school. We try to help you learn how to be able to fluently communicate the proper biblical truth. But that's something you can kind of work on, but God helps you with that too. Anyway, that's just a little bit of that additional call. But Christ called Paul. There's an outer call. There's that ordination where it's a humble, humbling experience. There's that inner call. There's a desire for a noble work. It's not prideful, but it's not a like... You're called to the ministry. You're not called to lick gravel for the rest of your life. You're called to one of the noblest callings that exists in the world. Okay? So, but don't be proudful about it. You're ordained. You're, you're the Lord's servant. Um, and then there's that additional call. The church verifies that. The next thing we see in this verse is that Christ empowered or Christ enabled Paul. 
See, he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath or who has enabled me. Who has enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of, our, of ourselves, but our sufficiency, our enabling, our sufficiency is of God. Paul said in Philippians 4.13, what? What did he say there? I can do right, all things. I can do all things. I'm enabled through, right, through Christ, which strengthens me. Um, this is not Paul, but Peter, I think, gives us some understanding of how this works. In 1 Peter 4.11, Peter says, If any man speak... Let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, oh, minister. We're talking about ministry, right? Let him do it as of the ability. Oh, we're talking about ability. Enabling. Able? Able? Ability? Okay. So, we're, so if any man minister, if any man do the work of a ministry, he should do it of, with the ability that God gives, right? Um, let him... Let him do it as of the ability which God gives. And when you minister with God's ability, with the ability that God gives, then God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. If you're doing the work of the ministry and say, Oh, God gave me power and I got all this glory. Uh, no, God, you weren't doing it of the ability that God gives. Um, God gives the ability Let's think about that. Did, did God give Paul ability? Oh, man. Paul was trained for years as a scholar of the Scriptures. For years. Now, we want to talk about Arabia and all that. I'm saying even before that. Paul had one of the world's best teachers. His name was Gamaliel. Known as one of the best teachers in the world. Paul was brought up in a tradition of faithfulness to the words of Scripture. Okay, we can talk about how bad the Pharisees were, but they looked at the Scriptures. The Sadducees were like, oh, we would just make that say whatever we want to say, right? Not a Pharisee. He was brought up in a tradition of faithfulness to the Scriptures. And we know he had a zeal for righteousness and truth. Very, In fact... The next verse, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. He was all those bad things, but he was those bad things ignorantly. He thought he was serving God. He was zealous. And all of that was before he was ever saved. That was part of his preparation. God did that. God gave him that. So, enabling is qualifying, equipping, making somebody fit to do a job. Let me just point out, your past, and your past is not that long, <laughs> but your past is part of your preparation. Some of you weren't saved as four-year-olds or eight-year-olds. Some of you were saved later, as a 17-year-old. That time before you are saved is not wasted. God was there, wasn't he? he? He was there. Does God, is God sovereign? 
Can he use everything for his glory? Your past is a part of your preparation. Your present is part of your preparation. Of course, especially here. Let me just say, preparation is ministry. When I was sitting there, actually not there, up there, but I was sitting there, we had a man, a guest preacher come in, I I think he was teaching, CE, and his whole lesson, and I've never forgot it, I've never forgot the title (laughs) and the idea of it. I don't remember everything that I said, but the lesson was, preparation is ministry. Preparation is ministry. Um, Don't think that what you're doing now just gets you ready to minister. What you're doing now is ministry, and it's getting you ready for something else. So, God enabled Paul, he says, who has, who hath enabled me. So God enabled Paul, and God will enable you. But you have to depend on his enabling. Okay? So that's where First Peter comes in. If you're going to minister, do it with the ability, with the enabling that God gives. You have to depend on God's enabling to accomplish his work. How do you do that? Say, oh, that, that sounds good, Pastor Vogel, but what does that mean? Well, here's what I think it means. It means use your ability. Where did you get your ability and training from? Was God there when you got your ability and training? Yes, you got it from God. So use your ability and training, but depend on God's strength. And, and one of the ways you show that you're depending on God's strength is by doing God's work His way. You'll get lots of opportunities to do God's work using carnal or worldly methods, whether it's whatever, music, promotion, worldly um, things. But you show a dependence on God when you use His Word, you know, oh, if I could say all this, I can catch them and then they can repeat this prayer and they'll be saved. And there's none of God's word in it. That's not, that's not depending on God's ability. So, using God's word and his method shows a dependence on his strength. His strength. He gives those things. So, use your ability and training. Depend on his strength using his word and his methods. The next thing we see is that Christ proved Paul. Christ proved Paul. In verse 11, right before this, he's finishing up this paragraph and he says, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. So God gave the glorious gospel, committed the glorious gospel to Paul because he trusted him. And then he says, and I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who has enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I think if we look at the life of Paul, we'll see that Christ proved, he tested Paul. Now, when he called him, he said, I've got this for you. 
How long was it until he started doing that? Well, right away after Paul's conversion, he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, disputed against the Grecians. This is in Jerusalem, not right away. But they went about to slay him. And so when the brethren knew this, this is verse Acts 9, 29 and 30. When the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and set him forth to Tarsus. Okay, what's he doing in Tarsus? He's not on a mission strip. He's not writing any scripture. He's being tested. What will he do when the lights aren't on? What will he do when there's no apostles around? I mean, the Bible doesn't say that, but I think it's, I think it's legitimate to see that. Paul said he proved, he counted. The word there is the idea of accounting. Making sure the books line up. Making sure, make sure the man is the man I've called him to be. Then, in Acts 11, the hand of the Lord was with these uh, people who left Jerusalem and they went up the coast and they ended up in Antioch. And many people turned to the Lord. And so the church heard that at Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas up to... Yep, they sent Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. And when he came, he saw that and had seen the grace of God that was there. He was glad. He exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he, Barnabas, was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and faith, and much people was added to the Lord. How long did that take? So he came and he spoke once and it was done. I don't think so. Okay, just because we read it in 30 seconds doesn't mean it took 30 seconds. I believe there was time there. Barnabas was there for a while. Paul was up in Tarsus. All this other stuff happens. Barnabas makes his way up there. That took at least a couple weeks just to walk there. Then he gets there and he sees all this great things that the Lord is doing and he's encouraging them. And he's how long? And then it says, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And then what? You know the passage? And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. So Paul gets a little responsibilities. He's there in Antioch. He's with Barnabas. He's teaching. He's not the main man. By the time we get to chapter 13, there's seven other ones there. Paul's not the main man. He's just doing his job. He's being proven. They hear about something and they get sent to Jerusalem. And Barnabas and uh, then the disciples, every man, determined to send relief to the brethren. And they sent it to the elders in Jerusalem by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And after they were down there, Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they'd fulfilled their ministry. And they took John with them. That's the end of chapter 12. Years have gone by. Years have gone by. Some people talk about three years, you know, Paul talks about three years in Arabia. And that's, uh, you know, Pauline epistles are, you know, wondering where that was. But it seems as clearly that's before this time. So we have Arabia, we have Tarsus, we have Antioch. All this time, Paul's being faithful, God's proving him. Then, Acts 13, there's these prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaean, and Saul. And as they minister to the Lord, as they did what? As they ministered to the Lord. Now we all get like, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said... What were they doing? 
They were ministering. They were working. They were serving. As Paul was serving already, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. He was faithful. He was counted to be faithful. What does it take to be faithful? Faith means that you're obedient. I cannot see any separation between obedience and faith in the Bible. Uh, Some people talk about faith and repentance being two sides of the same coin. Faith and obedience. You can't have faith without obeying. And you can't hardly obey unless you have faith. You say, well, this doesn't make sense, but I'm going to do it. That's faith. God says do this, and I does, I don't, it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to do it. That's faith. That's trust. Say, I'm full of faith, but I do what I want. No, you're not. Faith is only possible. It's only possible through spirit-enabled obedience. But spirit-enablement only comes through obedience. You need the Spirit to be able to obey, and you won't have the Spirit unless you obey. You say, that doesn't make sense. I'm not trying to make sense of it. It's just the way the Bible teaches it. It's just what it is. I can't wrap my mind around God, and if you could, you'd be God, and I'm glad you're not. So, anyway, um, so here's the question here. Paul was counted faithful. He was proven. Are you? Are you doing what you know you should be doing? Are you obeying like you know you should? Or are you saying, well, I'm, I'm called, but I do my own thing, not my parents' thing. Well, I'm called, but I do my own thing, not my church's standards. I'm called, but I do my own thing, not my school's rules. They're just rules. Oh, you're in a proving ground. If, if that's you, you're saying, I'm called... But I'm not faithful, and I won't do anything for God until he's proven that I'll obey. Lastly, Christ placed Paul. He placed Paul, and he put him into the ministry. Um, When God talked to Ananias, he said, the Lord said to him, go thy way, because Ananias was like, oh yeah, I know about him, right? I hear he has papers to rest, but God said, go thy way. He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. God, Christ, placed him into the ministry. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. What is ministry? I've already kind of said it because I knew it was coming. What is ministry? Well, the word ministry there is the word, I'm not going to get it right, Pastor Armacost can fix this later, or Dr. Schreiber, diaconus. It's, it's the deacon. Ministry, and what is a deacon? A servant. So Christ put me into servanthood. Ministry is service. Being in the ministry means you're a servant. It's service of the word, that means as a minister, it's my job to serve the word. But all these things that I serve, I'm also the servant of. If I'm in the ministry, I'm a servant of the word. The word says to do something. Okay, that's what I've got to do. Right? You serve the Lord. You're in the service of the Lord. But you're a servant of the Lord. It's ministry. You're in the service of the church. I'm in the service of this church. I'm a servant 
of the church. Well, you're assistant pastor. I'm a servant of the church. I have to do what the church says. I can't just go do what I want. You're put into ministry. It is a noble calling, but it is a calling of service. Service, being a servant and serving others. So, let me ask you. Do you have a desire to serve? Do you have a desire to serve? Maybe God gave that to you. Are you depending on God's power and God's methods? I guess there is an element of God's power that is mysterious, that is supernatural. But we must be careful that we don't put it all there. Because the Bible puts it in a place where you, if it's just supernatural, we all sit around and say, well, I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit to do something. No, no, you're not waiting. You're doing what God says. And as you obey, He gives power. And you say, well, sometime you might do it enough. You say, well, I don't know, did He give power? Who got the glory? When you do it with God's ability and methods, He gets the glory. And when He gets the glory, it's been done the right way. Are you proving yourself faithful? Are you proving yourself faithful? Are you a servant to and of the Word, the Lord, and His church? It's interesting that this verse, if we were able to, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I look at it, if, if we looked at it, the very first word in this statement by Paul is translated, thanks. He says, thanks I have to Christ. To him, being put in the ministry was such a wonderful and glorious thing. That personal appointment, that ordination, it was a high honor. Thanks I have to Christ that he enabled me. Counting me faithful, putting me into the ministry. While we should not take honor to ourselves and not seek glory, serving the Lord is a high, high honor. And it is high, so high, that some seek it without the direction of God. But on the other hand, many see no honor in it and avoid it. And I pray that's not anyone here. God's service is a good work. It's a noble work. It's a work that we must do with humility, but there's no greater work on earth. At the same time, I'm, we can't all be pastors. Okay? I'm not looking down on anyone else who does something else. But I am looking down on the person that says, I'll never do that. It's a great work. It shouldn't be avoided. Where are you? Where are you? Is God calling you? Is God working in your life to say, I don't know, I can't tell if he's calling me, but man, if he, if he would, that would be a thrill. I'm going to make sure I'm ready when he calls. I'm going to be faithful 
until he calls. I'm going to do the work the way he wants it done. Where are you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this work that you've given to us. To, to some extent or another, you've given it to all of us. And as you've led us at our church to train people for ministry, it's a glorious calling to train people for the glorious calling of serving you. I pray that you would help us through your word to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be arrested in our place, whatever it is that we need. May your spirit and your word have done that through these words this morning. And Lord, I pray you would get glory from it. I've sought only to tell what your word says and apply it in a faithful fashion. I pray that you would, you would see fit to use it. In Jesus' name.